Thank you, Callie. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of John, Gospel of John this morning. Amen. John, jump back into our series on more. I tell you, I'm a bit overwhelmed with this word. There's so much in the Bible, trying to figure out how to break it down, dissect it, outline it, and how to systematically look at it has been a bit of a challenge. I don't know that I've got it figured out yet, but we're going to dive into round two this morning. And hope you'll be back tonight, 5 o'clock, for our evening service. And uh, praise the Lord. I am, uh, if you can get a prayer through, pray that Georgia can beat Alabama tomorrow night. <clears throat> just felt impressed with the Lord to put that out there. <laughs> Would you stand with me, please? John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. I love to hear the rustling of the pages. Amen. And I want to just reiterate what I said a minute ago, because a lot of what I said a minute ago won't be on the message when it's posted to YouTube. Any preacher that calls himself a preacher that won't speak out against abortion was not called of God to preach. God is nowhere near, God's nowhere near a man that's in a position to make the kind of difference that preachers are, and he's scared to preach against the, un, the slaughter of the unborn babies. He's not called of God. If you find one, you can tell him I said so. Amen. Amen. If you're scared to preach against abortion, you're going to be scared to preach of a whole lot of things. And I've got no confidence in a man that calls himself a preacher and won't preach against abortion. Amen. I just felt, or same-sex marriage either for that, for that matter. Either one of them. Either one of them. You say, preacher, that's politically incorrect. I know that. And I don't give a flip. I don't give a flip. John chapter number 10. I'm just trying to get everybody fired up for this morning because I need help from God. Verse number, well, look at verse number seven. Jesus, uh, this said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Here's our text verse. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want to preach this morning on part two of the more series. We'll simply call this message the agenda. The agenda. Lord, help us tonight. I pray as we look in this morning, as we look into the message, give us what we stand in need of. Lord, I need you. God's people, we need you. Help me. I pray. I pray. Clear, clear my mind and my thoughts. I pray, Lord, that God's people today would benefit from this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. I want to just dive right into this message this morning because there's two agendas in verse number 10. We're going to eventually get to this word more. But I want you to notice in verse number 10, there are two people with two different agendas. The first one is the devil, Satan. Jesus calls him the thief. And the first mentioned principle of the word more, if you look up the word more, first time it's used, it's used to describe Satan. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. That word subtle means shrewd and crafty and sly. So God's not the only one that has more. Satan also has his list of things that he does more more subtle being the first one mentioned in Genesis 3, 1. 
And Satan brings more of everything that is wrong, more of everything that is hurtful, more of everything that is against what God has. We're seeing it today more and more. As somebody said to me, said, preacher, somebody said this to me yesterday sitting at my, at my book table. They said, people now do not even see the, the fact that the devil has pulled the mask off and is not even hiding anymore. He's telling you that what we're dealing with is demonic and people still can't see it. He's getting bolder in his deceit. He's getting bolder in the damage that he's trying to inflict. Satan has an agenda. Jesus calls him in our text, the thief, the thief. And everywhere he goes and everything he touches, it has an evil motive and an evil agenda. Three things I wanna notice this morning about Satan's agenda that is in our text this morning. He will bring, first of all, more detraction. He will bring, bring detraction. The Bible says he came for to steal. That means he wants to take away. That means he wants to, de, de, to, to reduce what you and I have, give us less of it. He wants to take away. Has anybody in here with a show of hands, ever, anybody ever been robbed? Don't you like that feeling? Isn't that a good feeling? We got robbed quite a few times when we were over in South Africa. Been robbed here in the States as well. Came home from Dollywood one day and found somebody stole my dirt bike. Had an had a XR400 Honda dirt bike under my carport and somebody had stole it. The only consolation that I had was that was the coldest motorcycle I've ever tried to crank in my life. I'd have to kick it about 50 times to crank it. And I thought, I hope they broke their leg trying to crank that thing while I was gone. But it made me mad to think somebody come up in my yard, steal my stuff. We come out of church one time in South Africa and they'd broken our vehicle. They had stole our cameras. They had stole all kinds of stuff out of our vehicles. They had stuck a piece of metal up in, the, up in the ignition, tried to start it, tried to steal it. I walked out of my house one day and my truck was, was missing, sitting in my driveway, my little red truck that I'd bought uh, to, to carry people to church they, and, and to pull my tent. They had stole my truck and, and I walked out there and my truck's gone and I thought, well, I must have pulled it up in the garage because it's not in the driveway. Only thing is I had never one time pulled it up in the garage. The garage was full of boxes of tracts and literature and Bible in that chipping container we had just received. But because it's not in my driveway, it's gotta be in the garage, right? So I walked up in the garage like a dummy looking for my truck. Of course, it wasn't there. And I walked in the house, I said, somebody stole my truck. Grace said, well, you gotta go file a police report before you can even begin to deal with the insurance. So I went to the police station and I, they said, can I help you? I said, yes, I'd like to report the theft of my truck. My truck was in my driveway last night. When I went to bed, got this morning, it was gone. They said, would you like for us to come take fingerprints? I said, of what, the air? And it was weeks after that, every single time I would see somebody, I'd think, I bet they stole my truck. I bet it was them, I bet it was them. We don't like to get robbed, we don't like to get, have people steal from us. I was preaching one time in the tent, out of the township, we was doing a crusade, and I would take my, my bicycle, put it in the back of my truck, had a little canopy on the top of it, and I'd, take, and I'd go get my bicycle out, and I'd ride all up and down in those villages, and witness to people, and pass out tracks, and invite them to the tent meeting, and I got done preaching one night, I pulled my, my truck right up next to the tent. I mean, right up next to the tent. The rearview mirror was touching the tent flaps. That's how close I was. And I got done preaching and I got done with the service and I walked outside and I looked in the back of my truck and my bicycle was going on the back of my truck. Somebody come to hear me preach, didn't like what I said, stole my bike. And I walked over to a couple of guys and said, somebody stole my bicycle. I won't tell this story, but y'all like this. 
Somebody stole my bicycle. They all got talking amongst themselves. They started talking real fast in Sasutu. I could understand a little bit, but I couldn't keep up with them. They were just going 90 to nothing. And they come back over to me after a few minutes, and they said, we think we know who stole your bike. We saw this guy walk in, slip in. He left early. said, he's a thief. We know where he lives. I said, let's go. I'll never forget it long as I live. And we went to his house, and all the lights were off, and they said, let's all get at the doors and the windows in case he tries to run. So they had a gate fence, he had barbed wire fence, and he had two poles and a piece of barbed wire ran about this high, holding the two poles together. And we had to duck under it to go into his yard. And so I stationed myself right at the back door. And they knocked on the front door, hey, we know what you did to the preacher, we know you stole his bicycle. Man, here he come out the back door flying wide open, jumped over the fence, run over the, jumped over the hedges, and was gone. Well, they went to chasing him. I went inside and got my bicycle, propped up right there in his hallway. There was my bicycle. Never forget it long as I live. Well, old Patrick, he was chasing the guy, and this guy went that way. Patrick ran this way and forgot about that piece of barbed wire right there. And it caught him right on his upper lip. I'll never forget it long as I live. He did a complete flip. When he come through there, it caught him right here, and he did a flip. He hit the ground, ugh, and he took off and running. And after they were gone about 10 minutes, they came back and they said, he got away, he got away. I said, don't worry about it. I got my bicycle. They said, we're gonna get him, we're gonna catch him. I said, it's okay, I got my bicycle. Patrick said, I'm not gonna catch him for your bicycle. I'm gonna catch him for this right here. I'll never forget as long as I live. We hate it when somebody steals from us, but that's what the devil's agenda is. He's a thief. He came but for to steal. It's amazing to me how we get indignant somebody could steal something off our porch or steal our Amazon boxes and we get all worked up and the devil come into our life and rob us blind. Most people don't even seem to care. There's now an empty place, a void in your life where something of value once was that Satan came and took away. Satan will steal your fellowship with God. Is that not what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden? He'd come down and walk with them in the cool of the day. And after the devil got done with them, they were hiding from God, hiding from the presence of God. He'll rob you. He'll steal your fellowship from God. He'll steal your joy. One of the things David prayed for in Psalm 51, he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. All those months after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, he was trying to hide his sin. And during that time, he had lost his joy. The devil is a thief and a robber. He will steal your joy, he will steal your fellowship from God. He will steal your testimony. Paul said, pray for me in verse number, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, pray for me. And he said, I keep my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You can lose your testimony. The devil loves to steal your testimony and your influence with other people. Satan will steal away the seed of the gospel. In Matthew chapter number 13 is the story of the sower, parable of the sower, and the sower threw the seed on the ground. The Bible says the fowls came and took away that seed. And later on when he's explaining that, he said, hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart because the devil is a thief. There will be people come to Calvary Baptist Church and hear the gospel preached. Seeds will be sown in their heart. And they'll leave and the devil will come and steal that seed away and it will never take root, never bring forth fruit. Why? Because he's a thief. His agenda, Satan's agenda is more detraction. Secondly, his agenda is more death. He came but for to steal and to kill. From day one, Satan's 
desire has been to kill God's creation. God told Adam and Eve in the garden, the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And at that point, Satan made it his mission to make sure they ate of it. He immediately began to make a plan to get them to eat of that tree. He warned them dead. He warned them dead physically. He warned them dead spiritually. He wants you dead emotionally. He wants you dead mentally. He's a killer. That's what his agenda is. He's obsessed with death. As a matter of fact, Psalm, Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 36 says, All them that hate me love death. Satan is obsessed with death, and everybody that hates God is obsessed with death. Amen. Why do you think over in the Middle East, they suicide bombers strapping bombs at themselves and go up in marketplaces? They're obsessed with death. There's something wrong with those people. That man in Mark chapter number five in the Gadara, the Bible says he lived in the, to, in the tombs, dwelt among the tombs, cut himself with stones. The devil is, a, is, is all about death. Come on now. A lot more I can say about that, but thirdly, his agenda is more destruction. He came up for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's pretty much Satan's agenda right there. Jesus just summed it up right there in a nutshell. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your church. He wants to destroy this nation. Satan's never created or built anything good in his entire life. All he does is break down, tear down, steal, kill, and destroy. I was thinking about that statement. Satan's never built anything in his life. And I thought, well, he's built some walls, but it wasn't to protect you. It was to separate you from God and separate you from people that God wants to use. The devil is a destroyer. That's what he does. But on the other hand, God has an agenda. God has an agenda. In our text, it says that Satan came but for to steal, to kill, and destroy, he says, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you see the polar opposites of these two agendas? I broke Jesus' agenda down. I broke the last part of verse number 10 down. Three simple points. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we notice the access. Jesus said in verse number 10, I am come. Well, we could preach for a month on that right there. I am come. What a statement that God would come down to us. What a statement that God would send Jesus to us. I mean, we have the devil trying to steal and kill and destroy all day, every day. And yet God in his, in his love for the world and his love for us sent his only son. What a blessing, what a miracle, what a privilege that we have access to God. Jesus says, I am come. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Over and over and over, Jesus talked about the fact that he came, why he came, and how grateful we are that he came. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1, 1, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. He came, hallelujah. The Inspirations Quartet years ago sung a song. I dug the lyrics up this morning because what a blessing it was. The name of the song was Still He Came. Here's how it goes, verse number one. He stood up in heaven and he looked down through time and he saw all that waited ahead. He knew that a stable is where he'd be born and in a manger he'd lay down his head. Still he came, still he came, hallelujah. Jesus came, though he saw every trial he would face. He could have said, my father, no, the price is great, I will not go. Yet because he loved us so, still he came. 
The second verse says he knew he'd be tempted and he knew he'd be tried and he knew earthly men would mock his name. He knew on Mount Calvary he'd be nailed to a cross, but he knew his Father's will and still he came. Still he came, still he came. Hallelujah, Jesus came. I'm thankful this morning that we have access to God through his Son, Jesus Christ, aren't you? Some of y'all are taking that real good this morning. We've got access to God through Jesus Christ. He says, I am come. What a statement. What a statement. I am come. Secondly, we see not only the access, but we see the agenda. His agenda. God has an agenda. Jesus came and he had an agenda. He's got an agenda this morning, by the way. Right. Amen. You might have just wandered in here aimlessly, not knowing why you're here. We've got some folks visiting with us today. And uh, you probably didn't plan on coming to Calvary this morning, but you're here. We got a family that came to our Christmas play and their church got canceled because of the weather and they slipped over here. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. But can I tell you something? God has an agenda this morning. When you walk through the doors, he had an agenda for you. He had an agenda when he came. You know what his agenda was? He tells us, I've come that they might have life. What a blessing. That they might have life that they might have it more abundantly. He said, I come that you might have life. He didn't say I've come that you might have more stuff. Come on now. We just had Christmas. Everybody just had Christmas presents and got to open gifts. And some of you probably bought gifts for people you don't like with money you don't have. But he didn't come that we might have more stuff. Let me just go ahead and put a plug in right here. Watch out for these prosperity preachers. Because it seems to me like the only one in that whole church that's getting more stuff is them. If you get an email from a preacher and they need to upgrade their Learjet, that's your first clue. Amen. I was sitting at airports yesterday. I sit at airports all the time. Every time, it seems like every other time I fly, my flight gets canceled. Me and Brother Adriel flew to Arkansas to preach that, to do that funeral for that man and our flight got canceled. We sat there for about four hours and I'm thinking to myself, well, I wish I knew how to do what them guys do and raise $60 million for a Learjet about right now. Just right on over to Arkansas. Hey, Amen. Forget all this sitting around at the airport business. It's prosperity gospel. He didn't come that you would have more stuff. He wasn't born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He lived, listen to me, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He didn't live like that so you could have more stuff. He came that you might have life. Amen. There's a big difference. He didn't come so you could have more belongings, but more life. He didn't come so that you could have more toys and more playthings. He came that you might have life. By the way, the world may have more stuff, but that's temporary. Jesus said in Mark 8, what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Sometimes we get frustrated with these multi-multi-billionaires that are running the planet. I know I do, these corporations. I sat through a 35, 40 minute session last week. Everything on this planet is owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, everything. Everything, everything you touch, everything you buy, everything you eat, everything you hear on the radio or television is owned by two corporations, Vanguard, and BlackRock. They own it all. They own competitions of each other. They own Microsoft and Apple. They own Fox News and CNN. They own it all. Everything you touch and eat 
and here and by is owned by two corporations. It makes me mad as fire when I get thinking about it. But then I thought about this. Well, let them enjoy it while they can. Because the minute, the minute that old ticker quits, Brother Johnny, the minute that old ticker, the minute they stop breathing, it's, it's hell for eternity. Now listen, to you. you say, preacher, that's a little strong. Well, turn with me over quickly to Psalm chapter number 73. I want to show you something. I'm, this is, I'm not running rabbits. This is in my message. But as I was just looking up this word more, I came across this verse, and I said, my goodness, my goodness. The devil has more. God has more. Psalm 73 Look at what Asaph said in verse number seven. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. What's he talking about? He's talking about the wicked. He was talking about the wicked. Verse number three, Satan got them focused on the prosperity. Are y'all seeing this? That's in verse three. He said, my feet were, when I asked for me in verse number two, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Let me translate that into 2022 language. He said, I almost quit on God. I almost backslid. I almost got out of church. I almost give up. I almost quit even fooling with anything having to do with God when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The devil got those wicked people, the foolish people, focused on their prosperity in verse number three. He got them focused on their strength in verse number four. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Verse five, they're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. We just preached on that just about a week and a half ago. Last Wednesday night of 2021, we talked about his paths drop fatness. Remember that verse? Well, guess what? The devil's paths also drop fatness. Now, just chew on that for just a second. Hang on just a second. Preacher, you got me confused. Hang on just a second. David was, uh, Asaph was confused too. Asaph was right on the verge of falling out with God about this. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he said, my, my feet well nigh slipped. Like you might do out there in that parking lot if you're not careful when you get out of church, out of ice. He said, I like my feet like to come out from under me. I almost was flat on my back when the wind knocked out of me when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Look at what it says in verse number 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary, then understood I their end. Their end. See, Satan has an agenda, and it's all about thievery and, and, and death and destruction, and he will lie to you. He'll even let you have a few million dollars if it'll keep you happy and keep you from God. But his ultimate goal is the destruction of your soul. And Asaph says, when I saw the end, their end, then I understood. Well, what was their end? Look at verse number 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. 
Who did that to him? Well, he's saying, God, you're the one that's doing it, but actually it was the one that was the devil that was the one that sold him a pack of lies to choose prosperity over God. And God destroyed him. Look at what he says in verse 19. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They're utterly consumed with terrors. That's the end. That's what Satan came, that's his agenda. Are y'all getting this? And God knew that. He said, I know Satan's agenda is, a, is, to be, is to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that you might have life. I'm going to offer you life. Look what Asaph said in verse number 22. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast holding me with thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Afterwards, receive me to glory. Who have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart fadeth, but God is the strength of my heart. Man, there's so much in this chapter. The point I'm trying to make is this. Satan has an agenda. God has an agenda. And his agenda is life. Satan's mode of operation is to distract and divert people's attention from the life that God offers. Those people in Washington, D.C. that are so blinded and corrupted by power and money, hey, they better enjoy it while they can. Instead, Satan destroys them. They spend eternity in hell. God knows that they will spend eternity in hell. That's why Jesus came, that they might have life. It's going to take a special dose of grace for us to look at the headlines and the news and look look at the junk going on in this country and realize those people are going to hell. He lies and he deceives. He does everything within his power to bring about ultimate destruction. We see the access, we see the agenda that they might have life. Talking about everlasting life. Amen. Everlasting life, eternal life. But thirdly, we see the abundance. I'm just going to touch on this and I'm going to be done because we're going to look at it deeper next time around. He said, I came not only that they might have life, but that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. Abundant life. The resources that God has to offer is beyond description. As a matter of fact, first time we find the word more in the Bible, it's in Genesis 2 describing Satan as being more subtle. But we find the word abundantly twice in verse chapter number 1. God is the source of abundance and blessings. And Jesus came that we might experience more. This is our theme this year, more. You won't have anything if you don't have Jesus Christ. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Satan will offer you more. God's offering you more. But you've got to decide, do you want more down here or do you want more over there? Because they both have an agenda. And Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Jesus came that we might experience more. More of him. <laughs> We're going, there's, Brother, Brother Snipes, there's so many roads you could take on this word more. And we're going to have to go down a few of them, back up, and then hit another one. This, this, this thing right here, this, this concept of more, next week, Lord willing, we'll look at, this, we'll look at the, the abundance. Just exactly what it is it that we're trying to tap into. It's overwhelming. But God is the source of it. But I wanted you to understand this morning, and I had to preach this morning, Satan has an agenda for you to have more. More pain, more hurt, more suffering, more heartache, more scars, more guilt. More more of everything bad that you can think of. 
That's Satan's agenda. God's agenda is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I wonder this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, there might be somebody here today that has never even been born again, never been saved by the grace of God. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you're familiar with the Bible. You're familiar with the language and the lingo, but you've never been born again, blood-bought, saved by the grace of God. Can I tell you something? The secret to a, the abundant life is being born again. That's where you start. That's where it all begins. I wonder if there'd be somebody this morning that would slip your hand up quietly right where you're at. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven pray for me. I wouldn't embarrass you for $10 million. I just want to pray for you. Anybody anywhere, preacher, pray for me. Preacher, pray for me. There's a phone number on the screen. If you're watching the live stream right now, there's a phone number on the screen. You can text that phone number and say, please, I need to talk to somebody. Somebody will call you here in just a few minutes to take a Bible and do the best we can to help you over the phone. But if there's somebody here today that does not know Jesus Christ, the devil came up for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. We've got baptism here in just a second, so you've got plenty of time to pray. There's no rush.